Today's read-along is Emergence Collective by Joseph Hallett. If you would like to read along in this story with me, feel free to go to Amazon and download the book. I do not believe that you will regret it. If you don't want to read along to the story, that's okay, because I am going to do that for you today in a multiple part series. So without further ado, let's jump in. Emerges Collective follows the story of Frank. Frank, in the opening scenes, is a young man, a teenage guy, who is at bitter odds with his family. He does not want to go the cookie-cutter route. He has had it up to his eyeballs with what his parents expect of him. He has decided that he is going to go his own way. And by going his own way, it not only means that he's going to leave with his parents' blessings, because they do not agree with that but he has to extricate himself from his family. And he does that. The bitterness that Frank leaves with is something I think we can all identify with to one degree or the next. We've all had a pivot in our lives where we have made decisions that were not popular, especially with our parents. And as you face those kind of decisions, it forces you to become either the person that you are or to live in the shadow of a person that you're not. Frank very much so moved into the sunlight because he is living as he wants to live. And what helps him to live in the light of who he is is that he ends up finding a bus of hippies. That bus of hippies is headed to Washington. When he gets to Washington, he begins to live a commune life where there are a lot of people on that compound. Unfortunately, the people that go and they live with him out on the compound, they really didn't mean it. They wasn't for real. They were either on vacay from real life, they were just young and it kind of fizzled out of them, or they were just in for an adventure. Frank was in it for the long haul. He was in it to win it. Frank has been living on this compound at this point for 30 years. He began his journey as a young man, and now he's an old man. His hair is gray. What I thought that the author did a good job of was introducing us to a different type of character point of view. What do I mean by that? I mean that the sci-fi world typically does not house very many hippies. It doesn't house very many people who go their own way so far that um, they live an isolated life that depicts a person who has rejected everything in life that would make life easy. Frank brews his own wine. Frank lives off of the land. His job, his occupation, is selling gemstones and crystals because that area has a wealth of those type of minerals. While he's been on this compound for 30 years, he is now by himself. Everybody has gone their own way, but he does retain a few friends. One na one's name is Willie. The other's name is Johnny. I enjoy Johnny a lot. Why? Because Johnny has the scared husband syndrome. No man is afraid of his wife. However, there is a level of permission that you have to have to do certain things. And I just think Johnny is so cute and funny with the way that he has to kind of finagle himself out of having to do whatever the wife wants 
to do what he wants. I think it's hilarious and I think it's real and I think it's uh it's something that you the readers are going to enjoy and know at least one person who behaves this way and we find it endearing because it just means that he loves his wife so much he doesn't want to, you know, rubber the wrong way. And hopefully that goes the other way too. Nevertheless, Frank lives on this compound and in 30 years he has not ever been able to fill in the hole. The hole you're going to find out is a character in and of itself because it's this abyss that people have have grown to use as a a trash can. They throw all kind of shit down this hole. Refrigerators, any kind of trash you could think of, everything. It's their their earthly trash can they use this. But Frank, being the observant guy that he is, he has noticed that now by 30 years, this hole should be filled in, I think. We should be able to see the results of everything we have thrown down here. But they don't. This has taken over Frank's life. So much so that he elicits the help of his friends, Willie and Johnny. And they all agree that, hey, we're going to all have a little bit of a powwow. Frank busts out the homemade, you know what I'm saying, wine. You, nobody makes that wine like you make it. Let's go ahead and bust that out. We're going to bring some food. We are going to do this. And we're going to think about it. Because remember, Johnny is dying for any excuse to be away from the wife and to be able to kick it with the boys. Johnny does not get to kick it with with peace. And I think it's just so hilarious the way that Joseph Charlotte describes Johnny. It's so cute and it's so endearing. I really like it. Willie's just a good guy. He doesn't mind it. Willie is a very agreeable guy. Frank could have been like, let's play tic-tac-toe tomorrow and I want to have a meeting about it. Willie would have been like, cool, I'll be there. How many beers should I bring? You know, he's that kind of guy. So the wives come and they all convene and they all realize that, hey, this is getting exciting. The more and more we think about it, you know what? You are right. And this whole now, we are all getting obsessed with this whole. When we become introduced to Barney, we immediately realize a couple things about Barney. Number one, that he is a guy that we all love to hate. Number two, Barney wants to be the guy that you hate. As a matter of fact, he'd like to take that a step further and make you the guy that uh, you're scared of. Because he does that to his subordinates. His job isn't to be a superior officer at an Alaskan station and have those officers do their jobs with dignity and respect. Mm -mm. His job is to ignore them when he walks into a room so much that their body language is begging him to say something, any anything to him, cuss him out, do anything. Just talk to me because you're terrifying me because you're not saying anything to me. Just tell me anything. He enjoys that. Even when he notices that an officer is one and the same with him when he was younger, when he can see parts of himself in him, he'll giggle about treating him like complete crap. And not at that cute way, like when a toddler says something crazy and you're like, hey, don't say that. And you turn around and you giggle because it's like, oh my God, the timing on that was perfect. No. He giggles and he he kind of grins because he just enjoys inflicting, let's just say, undue 
emotional anxiety on people, which lends him into being a character that I don't know if he's going to get any better. I'm just going I'm just going to put that there. No dig at the author, but if you can effectively write a character that I don't like, but I still want to read your story or I still like the story, you have you've done your job. Barney is a guy who is obsessed too. He has noticed that there are occurrences that are happening that just won't let him go, won't allow him to rest until he gets to the bottom of it. So he compiles all this scientific data. He decides that he's going to have a briefing to show these researchers what he has, quote, found. Those researchers look at his papers and at one point they are moved to, to laughing. Because he's looking like a little bit of a tinfoil hatter. And regardless of the way that they're kind of laughing and smirking and looking at these papers and trying their best to kind of pretend like they're interested in all of this. He doesn't care, which is saying a lot for Barney's character, because Barney is the guy who commands respect. He commands that you are fearful of him. And for someone with an ego as fragile as that, the last thing that they want to do is to look dumb while they're doing anything. But this means so much to him. This has him so tightly within its grip that he's willing to look stupid for it, which says a lot about how serious Barney is about his discovery. Frank puts together his little group and they convene and they decide that that is what they are going to do. Prior to him doing that, he goes to a convenience store. And I think that this is one of um, the most symbolic scenes in the book. It's a scene where he, he rides into town. He goes to a uh, convenience store because he's going to get certain supplies. And as soon as he walks through the door, the teen behind the counter says, Mm-mm, not going to be able to do that. And Frank looks at him with a humorous curiosity. He's like, what? What? What's up? And he's like, you can't come in here like that. No shoes, no service. And it's in that moment that Frank even thinks about the fact that he even has feet, let alone isn't wearing shoes. Frank's feet are described as being calloused and rough and perpetually dirty because that's how he gets down. He is free, baby. He, he is free. His shoe budget is called none. He probably got that one pair of shoes that he uses to do real serious stuff. But as far as, you know, walking around in his day-to-day -day life, when he went out to that compound in Washington as a teenage boy, he meant all of that. His hair is long. It's gray now. But that hair also symbolizes his freeness. He does not want anything that symbolizes the type of life that he would have had to resign his life to. Frank don't have no damn shoes, so he had to leave and he had to go back home. On the eve of the exploration of this hole and seeing just how far this hole goes, Frank has a mini adventure. The author did a really good job of giving me uh, claustrophobia because Frank discovers a cave. In this cave, he goes in and he just decides he's just going to walk in the cave and he's just going to keep going, I guess, as far as he can go. But he doesn't get far before the ceiling on the cave 
started to sand. The walls, the slimy walls of the cave, began to squeeze. And Frank is like, man, I am having a really hard time breathing. And I'm like, yeah, I'm me too. You hurry up and back up out this damn. So he continues to go. But it isn't long before Frank discovers that there's something very spindly kind of crawling up his hand. He looks down and he realizes that it is a hand-sized spider that digs his fangs into his hands or his hand and sends Frank back out the cave. When Frank comes back home, he's filthy, so he has to draw a bath and clean himself and assess his injuries. He's got a knot on the side of his head that makes him look like he's got a second head that just didn't decide to grow fully. He's got these fang bites in his hand that he has to scrub at in the tub in order to get the caked mud off of it. And when he reveals the greenish, purplish hue of it, he realizes, oh shit, I'm in trouble. And it's time to pull out the the, the first aid kit. So he does he does his thing, puts two stitches, puts his puts stitches in those two holes. And he's able to do this with the help of the fact that this damn bite is as numb as hell. So I don't need no, I don't need to put anything on this because it's already numb. Now Frank doesn't believe that there are any poisonous spiders in the state of Washington, but how the hell can you be sure? I mean, hell, what if one crossed the border from, you know? <laughs> One just decided, you know, from Oregon, let me go to Washington today. I mean, like, what if one just showed up? I mean, how can you be so sure you got bit by something? Because if your hand is numb, looking infected, he might not be poisonous, but he might as well be. When Frank goes to bed that night, it's in a fit of distress. By the time he wakes up in the morning, the sheets can be wrung out. They're so wet. And he is just off. The best way you can describe that. He's ravenous. He can hardly wait for his eggs to finish cooking. Now, y'all know how I am. I love zombies. The, let me say, I love zombies so much. A zombie story or a movie or book. I love zombies so much that if the story sucks, I automatically like it because zombies are in it. That's how biased I am towards zombies. And I thought to myself, damn, Frank is about to turn into a zombie and I love it. Now, he didn't turn into a zombie. His hand wasn't quite as, you know, loud. It wasn't as, as, as loud as it was the night before. It did enable him to continue to move on with the day. But it was definitely noticeable that he went through a fit the night before. So much so that when he woke up, he felt like he had been beaten by adult men the day before. Barney's crew... He, Willie, Johnny, and their wives. It's not just them out on the exploration of this hole. They're able to elicit the assistance of one of their friends is able to, to elicit the assistance of volunteer students who in exchange for credits are going out with their gadgetry and their tech to help see what's going on with this hole. Now we know the students are there so that they don't have to sit in class. But Frank's looking around like, oh my God, this is turning into a thing. The people that live in the area, they don't really get a lot of traffic like that. So even they are slowing down and stopping and seeing like what the heck's going on. They give Frank what is almost like a Christmas gift because 
they come with their contraptions, the, the machine that's going to descend into the hole on the end of some kind of wiring. They give him uh, a tour of that. They show it to him and, and show him that, hey, we won't be doing this blind. We um, attached cameras to this. So you get an almost 360 degree viewing of what's inside. And Frank's just like, he can't even express how happy he is to have all of this. Not only the tech, but the help, the assistance. The fact that his curiosity wasn't just, um, it wasn't something that lent him uh, ridiculousness. Other people caught on and it was just contagious it wasn't just something that only he's dealing with kind of like Barney Barney is isolated with his curiosity Frank isn't which I hope is good because I want to protect Frank Frank you want Frank protected for some reason because he just seems like a good guy so they descend into the hole and they're looking around the hole and it's kind of uneventful you know the wives of his friends are asking one of the wives asks, hey are you okay because your your hand doesn't look all that great. And he's like, I'm cool. I'm cool. Don't don't worry about that. I, I can take it. I'm good. And they're like, okay, but I mean, we can get the medic folks out here and we can have you fixed right on up. And he was like, no, I I, I got it. I look, I, I stitched it up myself. So they look around the hole. It's going a little slower than Frank wanted it to go. You know, Frank is that eager child on Christmas where they want to open up all the Christmas presents at one time. But, you know, because of what they're doing and because of the gadgetry they have, they're not going down very fast. It's not, you know, Frank, I think, expected for it to just plummet and just keep going and going and going until it tapped out. And then they maybe could measure that. And then that would be that. I think the author did a really good job of putting a bookmark in the day, because at one point, the um, contraption that they have lowering into the hole, it gets caught on something where the, the wires get entangled. And the students alert them that, hey, we are not going to be able to continue to go any further today, but we do have somebody that can fix this, but it's going to be tomorrow. I think that Arthur did a good job of kind of stopping the day's progress on the whole exploration and moving us into something else. I thought he did a good job on that. And because Frank lived in a commune, that commune, remember, the people that wasn't for real, they left and Frank stayed, but that didn't mean that they took all the space that Frank had. So he allowed the students and everybody else to kind of stay there and hunker down for the night. So they'd already be on site when it was time to go the next morning. A funny scene that I found here was Johnny. Remember, Johnny is the one that's kind of afraid of his wife. And Johnny had a really hard time make, trying to make himself not look like he had to ask for permission for the wife to be able to hang out and drink some beers that Willie suggested that they down after a good day's work. When Johnny came back, he looked relieved, which I thought was super cute and super funny because again, I just think it's really endearing that, um, <laughs> that he cares about his wife so much that he, you know, he has to walk a landmine in order to kind of, you know, kick it with the guys. So when Johnny gets there, they're, they're already drinking because remember he had to go home and, create a scenario that was good enough for the wife to be like all right you can go but you better be back by this time and Johnny he's sitting there with his hand and he's he's lifting his hand up as if it's you know ensconced around an imaginary bottle of beer and he lifts his hand up like he's drinking that imaginary beer to kind of signal to Willie hey 
I'm kind of empty over here. Can you give me a beer? I don't really have long. Hurry up and give me my beer so I can enjoy it. <laughs> so he gives them one. And they kind of recant the day. And they shoot the breeze the way that guys do when they're able to have a chance to be around one another. Unlike Frank and his group of friends that are actually cool guys and the students who regardless of their real agenda or super helpful Barney and his crew they embark on a trip to Washington except these crew members are more like minions Barney is absolutely the freaking slave master if they could choose they would never be here with him but out of just pure fear they are there with him and they go on their own hunt in order to find these occurrences that it doesn't appear to me that Bar Barney can exactly articulate not quite yet he's still very much so trying to find whatever it is he's looking for but he knows that there's a there there so much so that when he does find it He'll know it when he has it. So he goes out there and his minions are out swinging their little gadgets and is showing him that certain areas are hotter than others. And when they find the sweet spot, Barney starts to dig himself. And at one point during his dig, he flings up what we're going to call a black rock, small black rock. But when he goes over and he picks it up, it has a weight to it that is just uncanny. It's something that he's, he's never experienced. It has a very odd weight to it. Heavy. So he takes that and he puts it in his, in his pocket and goes back to his hotel room. They're done for the night. When he goes back to his hotel room, he goes to bed. And when he wakes up in the, the next morning, he has an insatiable desire for the hottest cup of coffee ever created on the planet Earth in a Danish. And it's not long after he has this thought that he begins to smell strong hot coffee in a Danish. One thing I like about, I don't want to say I like anything about Barney because Barney is a character that I don't see, I don't know, getting any better. But one thing I am kind of pleased with is that he put two and two together so fast. It did not take him another 500 pages to figure out that this damn rock is a magic genie because it is. So he said, okay. Well, how about I just imagine that I'll get a sack of gold. And yeah, that sack of gold materialized at the foot of the bed, footboard. He picked it up and he shook it out and there was absolutely gold balloons in the bag that shook out several of them. And so this stoked what do we want to call this? Insatiable greed in Barney? Because he said, okay, we are about to go out there and get all this black rock. Not even a, a, a sprinkle are we going to leave out there. We got some work to do. I'm about 30% in the book and that's where I left off. And I look very much forward to seeing how Barney and Frank converge. Because Barney is very much so in Frank's territory. I'm sure that Frank's place has more of this nefarious black genie rock. And I look forward to seeing how Frank is able to defend himself against 
Barney. I truly hope that he isn't overtaken by Barney because Barney is the type of guy that we we all know that he's going to do whatever he has to do to be able to retain ownership over this black rock. I hope you are enjoying this read along as much as I am. Again, you can get the book on Amazon and you can read along with me. But otherwise, I will talk to you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.